0: Hey, it's Keith. If you're a lover of audio drama like I am, you need to know about the Apollo app. Apollo is designed around audio drama, so finding your next story is easy. You can always listen through Apollo for free, but there's also the Apollo Plus subscription. With it, you get ad-free listening, exclusives, and other bonus content for over 40 shows. And 70% of the revenue on Apollo Plus goes to those creators. Join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcasts app or apollopods.com. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. I'm W. Keith Timms, writer and podcaster, creator of the Book of Constellations. In this show, i listen to the first episode of an audio drama, then have a discussion with the creators about the show, their methods, struggles, and successes. Today, we're discussing the first episode of Cheka. Written and produced by Karen Heimdall, Cheka is a science fiction story about a girl who may be the last human alive. The title character, named after the call sign of the first woman in space, grew up with her mother as the only two humans on a moon base. But suddenly, Earth went silent, and Chayka finds herself alone. Grieving, she sets a course for the Mars colony, in the hopes of finding other survivors of whatever has happened to Earth. She is kept company on the journey by several artificial intelligences who attempt to help her unravel her grief and anxiety and discover the fate of humanity. We also hear flashbacks of Cheka's mother as she documents her time on the moon. The first episode, My Mind Was Going Numb, sees Cheka leaving the moon for Mars, and meeting two AIs, Huga, the ship's main computer, and Lei Chu, a psychological counseling program. I spoke to Karen from her home in Utabori, Sweden. Tell me a little bit about yourself as an artist and a creative type.
1: I'm a theater person, mainly. I'm a drama teacher and I've done so much amdram or amateur dramatics. I think I've done more or less every job in amdram. So I've done sets, I've done costumes, I've done makeup, I've done lights, I've done sound, acting, of course, directing, producing. Yeah, props. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've done everything. I think why I fell in love with it was just the project and the process and the collaboration. And then, of course, I went into uh, teaching, and that is a little bit of a different ballgame. But still, you do get that wonderful uh, collaboration and also all the learning, which is so exciting. But as a creator and as a writer, I've always been interested in telling stories. So those stories will Kind of burst out whatever I do. So Mm. as I had kids and of course had much less time in evenings and stuff like that, I started sort of bursting out into uh, voice acting because I've done quite a lot of voice acting as well. And voice acting kind of led me into audio drama and audio drama kind of led me into, hey, here is an art form that is really exciting to me. I can tell stories here and then the stories kind of burst out there. Uh, So yeah, stories, I think is my focus.
0: Now, were you always interested in drama as a child?
1: I was a little bit of a theater kid, but I've also always been really broad in my interests. And I can get excited and interested about almost anything. I get really into Excel sheets at work, and I worked in finance for a while, and I've done all these weird, wacky jobs yeah. and hobbies, uh, and I also do uh, lots of craft and knitting and sewing and woodworking and all of that stuff. You know, I'm, I'm a nerd. Basically, I get really into things.
0: <laughs> I think a lot of us, when you're in the arts, it's kind of like, yeah. well, let's, let's dabble over here and play with over there. And, and then it's fun to mix and match. And I think, you know, that having that sense of music and design and all that kind of stuff plays into theater really well because you need all that stuff. for yeah, your production. you do. Yeah.
1: You need all the different stuff to bring a uh, production together. And I think that is true for audio drama as well. You don't have the visual, but you have everything else. Bringing it all together is kind of the thrill for me.
0: Jake, is not your first audio drama. Nope. You have Y2K Pod. Yes. For those who may not know it, you want to just give a quick summary of what that is?
1: Yeah, Y2K is a slice of life drama that I released weekly in 2020 because I did not understand what a huge commitment in- and... <laughs> <laughs> what a lot of work that would be. Because I had an idea and I let the idea sort of lead me. But it's a slice of life drama about two friends in the year 2000 who move far apart from each other, keep their uh, friendship up long distance. And it's also, there's a framework story of a student uh, 20 years later who finds their voicemails and turns that into a podcast. And in that, she also starts discovering things about herself and about her family. It's a lot to do with friendship and a lot to do with that time in your life of being sort of 20 to 25 and all those adulting choices sort of hurtling towards you. But it's also about relationships and it can get
0: very dark at times. It seems to also be a bit about isolation and distance and separation. Yes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You're seeing a theme, right? (laughs) I am. I am
0: seeing a theme. We'll come back to that. (laughs) So that ended last year?
1: Yeah. So it was weekly in 2020 and then it was monthly in 2021. So the final episode was in December last year.
0: After Y2K was finished, tell me about what made you want to create Cheka.
1: I started creating Cheka uh, while Y2K was going on because I am a planner and I I work on things for a long time yeah. <laughs> before I release into the world. Cheka actually originated from a monologue that I wrote for Sarah Golding's celebration of the first moon landing in 2019. Mm -hmm. And so her brief for that, I think it was a competition, was just write something, a monologue connected to the moon. And of course, that was celebrating the first man on the moon. And I was like, okay, it's 50 years ago. I wonder when the first woman set foot on the moon. Mm -hmm. And I realized there has not been a woman setting foot on the moon yet. And that just started me thinking okay so what would that be like and when will that happen and how will it be and in what context and i just had this idea of a woman monologuing i was the first woman on the moon it wasn't a big deal it was just my job very sort of mundane and also now i and my daughter are alone on the moon and earth is silent and i don't know why and that was the sort of the embryo for cheka so that was the monologue and i knew fairly quickly that I wanted to make it into a series but this was in 2019 and I hadn't even released Y2K yet so you know I had a lot of other stuff to do in my sort of creative queue before I got around to Cheka but I have to say Sarah Golden cast Angelique Lassar as as Balin for that monologue and I loved her and I was Mm. like I hope she's going to be able to come back because I love her and already at that time, I had been in contact with Danielle Ellett, who uh, now voices Cheka, and I sort of had her in mind. I was like, oh, she'd be really good for Cheka. And then when I was going to start Cheka the show, I sort of fast-forwarded ten years, so Cheka is eight in the monologue, and parts of the monologue have worked themselves into the prologue and in various sort of Valen, who is Cheka's mother's sort of logs throughout the show but it starts when Cheka is 18 and she is all alone in the world and she doesn't know if there are any other humans alive and she wants right. to find out if there are any and so she starts a journey from the moon base
0: so i mentioned earlier that there's themes of distance and isolation mm. in what yeah. day and certainly they're there in Cheka <laughs> as well yeah what attracts you to these kinds of conversations or these kinds of stories
1: like most creators of course i i start with me. And mm-hmm. everything has to do with m- my emotions and my life. I was a very lonely child. I was bullied. I lived in Belgium as a teenager, and that's when I met. At an international school, I met friends from around the world. And after that, you know, we all sort of went and spread out. In particular, one of my very close friends, we have lived on different continents since 1992, and we're still friends. <laughs> and we were in each other's weddings and all of that stuff, wow. you know? Yeah. With isolation and loneliness comes a connection, and I'm very interested in connection and how connections are formed and how connections are maintained. What Cheka is is experiencing is, of course, the extreme, right? It's You put a, a sci-fi sort of lens on it, and all of a sudden, everyone else in the world is potentially gone. Mm-hmm. There's no other human life, In that way, sci-fi and fantasy, for that matter, are really great lenses that can magnify the human experience in a way that can make it even more, for me anyway, uh, approachable and understandable. So I I am interested in loneliness, but I'm also interested in isolation in terms of what happens after isolation.
0: You do go out of your way to name the AI uh, on the ship. Huga, yeah, which is a. If again, this is my understanding of the word. It's <laughs> a cultural idea that mm. um, sharing joy in simple things and simple togetherness. Is that a fair definition of the word?
1: I love the concept, and it's a very sort of. It's not just a word; it's a thing. It's a big mm. thing, and it does have to do with being cozy, but it also has to do with being together. All of the AIs I have in in Cheka so far. There is one uh, Mandarin AI, one Danish AI, and one German AI. Without spoiling anything, I'm sure that you can figure out that there are going to be more AIs. And the idea of the language-based AIs for me actually came about, I was doing uh, micro-episodes for Listen, Rinse, Repeat, which was a podcast collaboration uh, at the start of the pandemic to get people to wash their hands to Mm. micro-episodes. And I was doing that and I was asking some of the um, cast members from Y2K if they wanted to just jump in and do some voices. And I was going to cast an AI. And Charlotte Norp, who voices Higet now, asked, can the AI have an accent in that case? I'm interested. And I was like, of course the AI can have an <laughs> accent. That is the most brilliant idea. And so that sort of smashed into my head at the same time as I was starting to conceptualize Cheka. And I was like, this is a wonderful idea. I want accented AIs. I want AIs that are language-based. You very rarely hear that, but I love it. And it's such a great way of sort of differentiating AIs as well. They, They not only have their own personalities, but they also have this language that they're rooted in. English is my second language. And I always try to bring in other people whose second language is English and first language is Something else exciting, because mm. let's face it, you so often hear people whose first language is English, sure. uh, and I can fake that. You know, I've voiced many characters where I fake that, but <laughs> but not everyone can. And I think natural accents have a a really interesting place in audio drama and can really serve to ensure that you remember that character and you understand that. Oh, it's this character speaking now.
0: I see it almost as like a costume choice. Mm. Um, you don't it have kind that- of is. Something immediately recognizable that you can pick up on that yeah. identifies the character quickly for the, uh, for the audience. I'm not a linguist, but um, I <laughs> have always found it interesting to think about how language impacts meaning.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And
0: yes. I think it's really interesting to think about that the language an AI might be programmed in could affect mm. how that AI processes and interprets the world and data yes. data and things like that.
1: Exactly. Right? I think that is so interesting. I, we were talking about um, loneliness and solitude before in isolation. And I remember being so stunned when I realized when I was a teen that in Swedish, there's just one word for loneliness or solitude. And somehow, there's just one word. And in English, there's a nuance because solitude yeah. and loneliness are two very different things. Right. And I sort of started to turn that around in my head. And, you know, sometimes as a, I mean, I consider myself bilingual I also speak uh, fairly good French and some things I have understood in one language and I try to talk about them in another language and I almost can't. If I'm going to talk to Swedish people about audio drama, I don't really have the language because I'm so used to talking about it in English. And it's the same if I'm going to describe to you what I do for work. My English is suddenly going to be much worse (laughs) because I don't have the words.
2: Welcome. <laughs> I am Hugo. How can I brighten your day? What? Oh, bright. Um. Never mind. I. I need to set coordinates. Certainly. <laughs>
1: Ready to receive coordinates.
2: Um. Uh, R. A. Eleven. Eleven. 2d plus 6 17 8 coordinate set when would you like to depart as soon as possible oh i i, I just need to there's some packages in storage base c could you retrieve them they <laughs> They need to be in cold storage. You do have cold storage, right? Safely retrieving packages now.
0: We have two AIs in the first episode. Obviously, I think these AIs, at least in the first episode, can serve as a confidant type character. Right? This is mm. these are characters that that Cheka can voice her thoughts to, so that we, the audience, also know what she's thinking and feeling.
1: Yeah. They're a little bit of a device in that way that right. they get Chika talking. Yeah.
0: I'm curious as to why you wanted two, as opposed to just having one, for example.
1: You know, I'm not sure why mm. I wanted two. They were just, they just kind of appeared. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. I> get <laughs> I, it. Actually, that's because I knew that I wanted Hugo, uh, uh, who is the main ship AI, and I already had uh, a voice actor for them as well. I mean, the, the AIs here give a little bit of comic relief, a little bit of levity. Yes. Because this is a story that needs a little bit of comic relief uh, because mm. it's all very sad. So I knew that I needed comic relief. And I started writing the first scene when Cheka enters um, Eventyr, which is the ship. And Higgis sort of starts booting up and they start leaving the moon. And then after they'd been talking for a while, I just f- felt there needed to be someone else. And... Le Chi pops up And I just needed her I think I needed her because I made Heike be very sort of calm And a little bit parental And then I needed someone who was a little bit mischievous I think that's how Le Chi turned up And Le Chi is a very sort of Very professional when actually counseling But apart from that Likes to be sort of a little bit Joke around a little bit
2: You seem tired, Heike Of course you are well, Hugo would take care of everything here. You can bundle off the bed if you like. Yes, uh that would sleep. Huh. Might work. And we will have our first session in the morning. Session. Therapy. It is blatantly obvious you need to talk about something. Something? <laughs> right. I <laughs> have uh, yeah. sleep. Yes. You frightened her. Ah, she'll get over it. She has other things on her mind.
0: Having a couple of different figures allows for Cheka to have different responses to her situation and a little more variety to the story. Yeah.
1: So Cheka has not really experienced uh, AIs with personality. This first part of the story is also Cheka relating to these AIs, who she is used to relating to AIs as sort of. Not people. Mm. And they are very insistent, both of them, that they are people. Right. Yeah. Something is going on there. A little bit of an abrasiveness there in the story that, huh, you're not people is Cheka's attitude. And they're saying, no, we are people. You need to understand that we are people.
0: Cheka talks about feeling like she's alone. Mm. But Le Chi reminds her, well, we're here. You're not alone. Yeah. Exactly. You've got us to talk to. That's also interesting from the standpoint of sometimes when you're alone, maybe you're not as alone as you think you are.
1: Yeah, Um, exactly. And sometimes maybe people you don't think of as potential friends could be potential friends. Right. That's also a story in the story, you know?
0: Yeah. Cheka struggles a lot in the first episode. Her mother is presumably dead. She is completely alone on the moon all of her life, except for her mother. So she's had almost no human contact. She's had to watch the earth spiral down and finally go silent for Mm. mysterious reasons. And now that her mother is no longer in the picture, she has no idea how to live life on her own. This is really a challenge, I think, to start off a character that is struggling this much and dealing with this much grief. How do you moderate that kind of heavy emotion right from the beginning of a story so the audience can want to find out what happens next? Because a lot of times, you know, heavy emotion can be kind of a lot to deal with, especially if you're just getting into it. I think you handle yeah. it pretty well, but I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on that.
1: Well, I mean, thank you because I that was one of my fears as I was listening to the first few episodes before releasing. I was like, is this just too sad? Mm-hmm. Are people not gonna you know be able to handle it and get through it? Because it is very sad, <laughs> and yeah. and it doesn't. It's not an easy story emotionally. But on the other hand, I'm not really interested in telling easy stories and i think i wanted to start chika here because i started when chika was at her most vulnerable she was all alone she didn't know what was going to happen she didn't know where she was going to go what she was going to do she just knew she had to do something and go Hmm. somewhere i think one way of moderating it we've already talked about which is this sort of a little bit of like comic relief with the ais they're not you know laugh out loud funny. Right. But there is a little bit of lightness there. I also throw in poetry, although sometimes listening to it, I'm like, oh, dear, this poetry is so sad as well. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I And I throw in word of the day, which is not as sad, because word of the day is a word in a language that somehow has to do with togetherness, feeling good, uh, joy. The word of the day is hygge. Hygge is a Danish and Norwegian word for a mood of coziness and comfortable conviviality with feelings of wellness and contentment. As a cultural category with its sets of associated practices, hygge has more or less the same meaning in Danish and Norwegian, but the notion is more central in Denmark than in Norway. The emphasis on hygge as a core part of Danish culture is a phenomenon dating to the late 20th century.
0: You use it sort of in a thematic way, right? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I I always thought that was really interesting. It's a great way to transition from one scene to the next. And you're sort of reinforcing the themes, I think. One of the reasons that I was happy to go along with Jake on her journey was even though she was grieving and even though there was a lot of heavy emotion, one, there is the mystery of what happened to her. Mm. And I kind of want to know, well, what happened? But the second thing that I really responded to was that she was proactive, that she decided I can't be here anymore. I've got to figure it out. Yeah, and so because she's taking action, even though she is grieving, um, Mm. I can respect that. And and she's not just simply being depressed.
1: Yeah, true. She's actually actively trying to do something. But I also think if with your protagonist, there's always that protagonists kind of are a person to mirror yourself in, Mm -hmm. so they don't necessarily need to be, or they don't aren't necessarily perceived as having a very sort of strong, very specific character necessarily. And I think for Cheka, it might be a little hard for a listener to get to know her because you get to meet her in such turmoil. So you meet her in the turmoil, but then again, there's a sort of built-in weight because there's the journey. And what's yeah. she going to do in the journey? That's where her personality starts to sort of come through a little bit. And I think she's had this incredibly strange life and very lonely life and her mother has tried so hard to compensate for all of that but also it's just not been possible so chica's had a really strange life and is trying to do something and she doesn't even know if this is gonna work or if it's the right thing to do or if there is a chance
0: i remember seeing a bit of advice it said that protagonists need to have two of three qualities. You can pick two: <laughs> Likeable, competent, or proactive. And as long as you have two of those, then the audience <laughs> will respond.: While I think Cheka is believable in her grief, it may be a little early for us to find out more about who she is because she herself is sort of trapped in this one state. but yeah. she certainly is proactive, and she certainly does seem to be trying to do what she knows how to do. So yeah, I'd definitely. Yeah. Exactly.
1: I mean, speaking of writing advice, I think what I tried to do was a very sort of general writing advice, which is start in the action. Start in the Mm. sort of when something is happening. Don't start with all the stuff leading up to that. Just start in the middle of an action something. Uh, And that's what I tried to do. And I think what I learned, I think, from writing Y2K, certainly, and sound designing Y2K, was that there, I tended to sort of write moment to moment and be very sort of realistic with my sound design. And I think sometimes I just wrote to scenes that were too long mm-hmm. because I didn't understand that I could skip some bits. And that's something that I've taken with me for Cheka, both writing and sound design wise, that I think for writing, I can sort of hone in to the, this is the important conversation that we need for the story. And then we can jump to something else. And sound design wise, I've moved into using music a lot. I didn't use music hardly at all in Y2K. I love the way that music can elevate a scene. And also uh, sound designing sci-fi is so exciting because yeah. you can just, <laughs> I found found all these amazing sounds on Free Sound, which was a metal workshop, I think, in, I don't yeah. know, Romania or something. And it was just such great sort of gritty sci-fi Launching sequence sounds.
0: We flashback yeah. several times uh, yes. to Valen. Is that going to happen throughout the series that we're going to go back in time and hear Spoilers. from uh, Jacob?
1: <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, Valen is in uh, every episode of season one and there are flashbacks to various parts of her life.
0: What do you struggle with creatively, personally?
1: I think I, I struggle with time. I mean, I am a planner and I do. Do things a lot of the time, pretty far in advance. You know, I I pre schedule loads of social media posts and all of that stuff. But I do struggle with time because I do I have a full time job, I have two children and a family. I try to have a sort of post pandemic social life every now and then, you know. And I have other hobbies and stuff that I try to do. So just making time. But I think one thing that having kids just taught me is that I don't have time to procrastinate. I don't have time. If I have a moment to sit down and write, I'm going to write. It might not be any good, but I'm going to write. How do you measure success? Okay. So I've heard you ask other people this. And the first time I heard you ask someone else this, I was like, oh shit, I I don't know. (laughs) 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 How do you answer this question? So I've been giving this a little bit of thought and it's twofold, right? Because one is of course, Did I achieve what I wanted to achieve? Am I creatively happy with the decisions I made and the solutions applied and whatever the actual thing that I made? In order for me to feel that that has been successful, I need to feel happy with what I created. And of course, you are never 100% happy because, you know, you could always fix a few things here and there or made other choices. And then the other part, of course, is the reception of the thing that you made. It is very easy, I think, to get caught up in either uh, looking at download numbers or comparing yourself to uh, other shows, mm. yeah. people and being really happy that they've reached, you know, X amount of downloads or got that thing or did that my hit that milestone, but also feeling like, but what about my show? And what
0: about I'm me? I'm totally there. <laughs> I am totally there.
1: And it's so hard to find that balance, right? The downloads, I mean, they're nice, but I have been able now in my second show and having released two seasons of another show, back away from that little bit and go, this is nice, but I'm not going to be obsessive about what is going on here. And also, I think the reviews or social media mentions or that kind of thing or people just going, hey, I love this little bit over here. That's the stuff that makes me happy for days, you know, when listeners uh, get in touch and say that this has actually moved them in some way to laugh or to cry or to think that is success, really.
0: What lessons have you learned about creating audio drama that you can share with people who might want to create their own?
1: Audio drama does require a whole lot more planning and pre-production and production work than, let's say, a nonfiction podcast. So, there is a journey from your idea to deciding to do it, to doing all of that writing and sound design and casting and directing and all of the stuff that you do. So, of course, it's going to take some time in whatever form that takes. But don't wait for sort of, I'm going to have a better idea or I'm going to do it next year because I'm not sure about me as a creator. We all have to start somewhere, right? So, I think my best advice is just. Go ahead and do your story because no one's going to tell your story like you do. Mm. Uh, And that is really exciting. And I want to hear it. But when it comes to sort of casting, I mean, I started off Y2K as a non-paid production. And then I was really thrilled to get Patreon support so I could pay my actors for the first season and then for the second season as well. And Cheka is also, thanks to Patreon, a paid gig for my actors. I Mm. wish I could pay them more of course, but you can get voice actors who are good and who will be excited about your show for free. If you are starting off and you have no money at all. Yeah. However, once you get that money, you better pay your actors and your crew.
2: It feels like my whole life has been one long wait. First waiting for the moon based mission to end, then waiting for communications from earth or from Mars or from anywhere. Then, waiting for another end. If if there are people, humans on Mars, I need to, uh, I need to be with them. I, so I could be the last, the last human.
0: The feelings of isolation and loss are powerful in Cheka, made all the more powerful by the strong voice acting and room Heimdall gives the emotions to play out. But there is also hope, and a mystery to uncover, and an international cast that helps make this a story about all of us. You can listen to Cheka on most major podcast platforms, or see our show notes for more information. The first episode of is written and produced by W. Keith Timms. All the opinions expressed in this show belong to the people who expressed them and not necessarily to anyone else. The theme song is Mockingbird by David Mumford. If you want more information, want to sign up for our newsletter, or if you're an audio drama creator and would like to be on the show, visit our webpage at thefirstepisodeof.com. If you like down-to-earth sci-fi audio drama, check out my show, The Book of Constellations, wherever you get your podcasts. Keep telling stories. It's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. Until next time. I know you got questions about him. Where did he come from? How did he do all those things they say he did? Was he a terrorist? Was he crazy? Was his skin really blue? Well, I'll tell you what I know. I was there with him, driving through the back roads under the stars. I was witness to wonders and miracles, and to the darkness that's coursing through the veins of our country. He came to fight it in his own strange way, but no one leaves that fight unchanged. Not even Raelle. People ought to know the truth. And I was there. The Book of Constellations is a down-to-earth sci-fi road trip. It's audio fiction, and you can find episodes at bookofconstellations.com or wherever you get your podcasts.